Whether or not Rob can actually hear me is the question. My name is Caleb Hegg. And yes, I can hear you. Therefore, I must be Rob. So I there am you Rob. Go. Hey, are you getting a pretty <laughs> are you getting a pretty significant echo still? It's not bad. I so that's a that's a yes. Here's what we're gonna do. We're just gonna try to to real quick fix uh, Rob's audio here. And I appreciate everybody's patience. Um, however, it is not actually YouTube. It is my audio. And so uh, Rob should have just lost all the music, but still have me. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. I can hear okay. you. Got an echo? Nope, it's gone, I think. Okay. Ah, yes. Peace and joy and love, right? That's what we're supposed to be focusing on okay um hey everybody in the uh in the chat welcome everybody online thank you for joining us uh it's been a interesting past couple of weeks uh last week we tried jumping online and none of our audio worked we didn't know what was going on i actually had to uh install a bunch of stuff and reboot a bunch of stuff anyway uh then the next day we tried to do a show once all my audio was working and my audio was working that day but literally five minutes before the show started all of my internet went down and it was down in my entire part of my city for almost a day and a half so that was fun um and we just figured the lord was telling us that he didn't want us to have a show so we didn't and uh now it's a little buggy but we're going to uh, we're going to make it work anyway. Rob, how are you? We're going to exterminate those bugs. <laughs> mm-hmm. We're going to try. It's so uh, Caleb. It's so great to watch you. Like because you're like, hang on, hang on. I'm like, brother, you're good. You All know, right. It's just it's just technical. Things are good. I uh, I'm feeling it in the body a little bit. I had to uh, borrow a, a, a jackhammer and break up a bunch of concrete yikes and uh and then i got rid of one load i've gotten another load i got to get rid of and boy that'll tell you how old you are <laughs> yeah yep exactly no it's good it's good the weather is beautiful so it's good for doing this kind of thing but but boy but uh yeah here we are what we're halfway through counting the omer we've got yes. i think today three three weeks of class is it three or four we're just over the hump in terms of our uh, spring quarter. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Love is Bigger gave us a super chat. We're going to talk about your uh, your audio message that you left for us. And uh, I would I would play some music for you and all that, but I don't have my soundboard up and I'm not touching anything, right? Right now, I don't <laughs> want to touch a thing because everything seems to be working all right. We're going to have to figure out Rob, Rob's don't audio later. Don't bump it. Yeah, don't touch it. Don't touch it. Don't hold your uh, mouth wrong. But that's okay. In before, uh, so uh, we'll play you audio later. Love is bigger. Thank you so much for the super chat. We appreciate it. I want to. I want to talk real quick about this. Um, I don't know how many people saw this. My my good friend and brother in the Lord sent this to me because I've spoken of the what is known as the adulterous Bible. Um, I've spoken of it before uh, in sermons when I've preached, I've talked about it. 
and uh, and so on and so forth. But uh, this, I found, you can just look this up. It's on a bunch of different news sites. This one I found on The Guardian, and this is what they say, rare, wicked, quote, wicked Bible that encourages adultery discovered in New Zealand. Now, this will show you how bad my geography is. It was found in Christchurch, and I legitimately was like, boy, that must be a pretty big church that they got a library so big that they're losing, you know, 500-year-old Bibles. No, Christchurch is, of course, the the city in New Zealand. It's The church is Christchurch. Uh, so my bad. That that shows how, <laughs> how smart I am, right? Uh, working on all cylinders. Anyway, um, let's read a little bit of this. This is so interesting to me, and there's not really anything more to this conversation than simply in awe of this. An extremely rare Bible famous for an unfortunate error that encourages adultery has been discovered in New Zealand. The 1631, quote, wicked Bible, as it has become known, omits the word not from its seventh commandment, informing readers to, quote, thou shalt commit adultery. 1,000 copies of the text, which also came to be known as the Adulterous or Sinner's Bible, were printed with the error only discovered a year later. Upon discovery of the mistake, the printers Robert Barker and Martin Lucas were summoned by King Charles I and hauled before the court where they were admonished for the scandalous typo and sloppy workmanship. They were stripped of their printing license, had a 300-pound fine held over their heads for years that was eventually squashed. And most of the most of the texts were destroyed. Only about 20 remain in circulation. The Bible... Uh, the Bibles do come up for auction from time to time, mostly in Britain or the U.S., but this is the first time one has been discovered in the Southern Hemisphere, says the University of Canterbury in, in Christchurch. The university was, the, was first informed of its existence in 2018, but chose to uh, keep the discovery under wraps until now to allow researchers and book cons- conservers enough time to study and preserve the book. Uh, they do have a picture of the page uh, where the Ten Commandments are listed and the typo in uh, verse 14, thou shalt commit adultery. This is, to me, this is just stunning. I've always wanted to see one of these books in person, uh, one of the adultery Bibles. I, I've So it's in Exodus. It's not in Deuteronomy, correct? It might be. It might be in, uh, I think it's in Exodus. I think it's in Exodus uh, because, uh, yeah, it's it's got to be in Exodus because in the side margin, they do reference Deuteronomy 5. So that tells me that this is obviously in uh, Exodus. But you know what? Here's here's the thing. Here's the thing. A person who's reading the Bible, they they, it's not like anybody's going to read that and go, oh, <laughs> God says it. To, yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, must be true. Like, okay, wait a minute. Obviously, this is, this is a mistake. It doesn't... It, we compare scripture with scripture and obviously, yeah, this is a, right. And to me, we we had similar error. This is interesting because it touches on the, the issue of how, how the Bible text gets put in writing and before the printing press, right? This is a problem of the printing press, but we have scribal errors. Like in, in our Hebrew class, we read reading through Isaiah uh, Isaiah 55 last night, and we're looking at the Aleppo Codex, and we're looking at the great Isaiah scroll, and we're seeing there's words that were like skipped over. 
And so the idea is in the, in the great Isaiah scroll, there's like a word missing or something. And so you're like, well, it's probably, it should probably just a scribal error. You know, I mean, imagine how the whole book of Isaiah, you got a poor scribe who's like probably on a deadline, you know, and he's, he's got some guy telling him, pick it up there, you know, Chaim or whatever. <laughs> and, right. uh, and he's probably, you know, copying and stuff happens, you know, and hey, they, they the had same thing with, they had deadlines just like we have deadlines. Right? Yeah, we had the. Remember, uh, Caleb, I know you've done a lot you know, looking at manuscripts of Luke 22 or, you know, things like that, where we have variants in the manuscript tradition. Sometimes there's a word missing in some. And yeah. uh, we're not ready to go burn those scribes at the stake or anything. I mean, we realized that, and this is what manuscript scholars have learned is like, wow, the, you know, it doesn't even matter that it's the Bible or you know, Plato or whatever, we see how manuscripts, when, when we compare different manuscripts of the same text, we see that scribes in different cultures are prone to making similar mistakes. Right. And uh, <clears throat> it's just a human error. And I this, think that's, this, that's a pretty harsh. That's a pretty uh, harsh one. It, 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 here's the thing is that one of the Bibles that I've always wanted to obtain is a modern version of a oopsie mistakes made by, uh, I would call him an acquaintance. I have his phone number in my, in my contacts. Dr. Uh, uh, Daniel Wallace made a very easy mistake on a computer in the second edition. And I forget what printing it was. Maybe it was the second printing of the second edition. I forget. You could look it up. Uh, cover your children's ears. It's known as the ass Bible. And the reason why is because he hit the S twice on accident in the preface, in the preface, uh, as he was writing the preface to the Net Bible. And so instead of saying as, as it should, it says ass. And so this has been become known as the ass Bible. As and, the donkey Bible. <clears throat> right. And this is actually one of the, I've, I've actually um, kind of looked for one of these Bibles and, and I would like to own one simply because it, it is exactly that. It's not, I mean, it's obviously never going to be worth money, I don't think. And, but it shows, it shows exactly what we're talking about here. You know, uh, the omission of not or the inclusion of an extra keystroke of S in our modern time, right? And the thing is, is that when I look at my Bible, I just assume, I assume there are no typos. And the reason I assume that is because people are combing it so meticulously because it's the Bible. So uh, if, if you have an ass Bible out there, please let me know. I'd like to, uh, I'd like to acquire it from you. <laughs> uh, and one, one other, one other aspect here is that in, and we talk about this in the Hebrew class too, that in the ancient world, your, your access to the word of God is probably, it's not going to your bookshelf, right? You don't have a bookshelf. You go to your community and they probably have a few scrolls that the community has somehow put funding together to pay a scribe to produce. And then likely you probably wouldn't sit there and read it yourself by your, silently. There would be someone who is a scribe or a trained person who has competency in the language and to they know what the word of God is and they teach it and they explain it. And so the, the interaction of the individual Israelite or Jewish person with the scriptures is multidimensional. There's many different connectors. It's not just a person with a 
staring at a book sitting in a corner silently. That's right. a, that's that's only in our day and age does that kind of thing happen. Joseph in the chat room asks, but doesn't this poke holes in the line of reasoning for infallibility that God would not allow his word to be corrupt? And uh, the response is correct from Brandon. No, the, there, is, there is nothing uh, that can be said about uh, infallibility of copies and or translations. So right. for instance... Uh, well, even Jeremiah says the, the lying pen of the scribes. Right, but the, but the point is, is that... I would not say, and I this is going to shock some of our listeners, I'm sure, I would not say that any English Bible is an inspired text of Scripture. Because it, it's not, first of all, it, it's there, not in there, the original there, language. There are approximations. There, there are approximations. And, and this is one of the reasons that we fight so hard against those who hold to the KJV uh, being inspired, is that no, there's no... Uh, translation that is an inspired text, first of all. The original text is the inspired word. Second of all, the only, ins- and this has been uh, a, a uh, I, th- I believe it was James White who had a huge debate on on Twitter, <laughs> believe it or not, uh, on this, uh, yeah, on this very thing. And he was uh, arguing that no, the uh, the copies of the original text are not the inspired word of God. The original text themselves are the inspired word of God, which is one of the reasons that we have textual criticism, which attempts to get us back to the original text because we don't have the original text, right? So all of the uh, all of the copies may have mistakes in them, but one of the things that people like Dr. Daniel Wallace do is they attempt to collect all of these different manuscripts, compare them to each other to get us back to the most uh, the most accurate representation of the original text of scripture. And, and and praise the Lord for scholars like that, right? Praise the Lord for the guys who do that work. You know, I'm not, I've said many, 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 many times on this show that I am not good with languages, but uh, even if I were good with languages, I don't know that textual criticism like that would be uh, work that I would want to do. It seems, I'm sure it really invigorates some people, but to me it is, it is quite uh, monotonous work that has to be done. So praise the Lord for the for the people who do that. Okay. Um, if you want to tell us about all the mistakes in this show, you can do so by giving us a call, 253-465-3205, 253-465-3205. You can also shoot us an email, chegatorresource.com, C-H-E-G-G at torresource.com. I'm not going to play our jingle today, not because I don't want to, but because Rob will not be able to hear it. And it's always weird when I'm sitting here bopping my head and he has no clue what is being played. Uh, you can also go to TorahResource.com. TorahResource.com has all sorts of different resources for you, including current counting the Omer resources. Go there. They're on the homepage. You can also find, and I'm going to make an announcement here in just a second. You can also find the three-year trainal cycle along with the one-year, tra- uh, one-year cycle of the Torah portion readings for Shabbat, if that is your thing. And the announcement is, is that I've been asked by many, 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 many people when we will be releasing more of my father, Tim Hegg's uh, teachings on the parashahs. Well, the wait is over. You can go look right now on the Torah Resource YouTube page. There are three new teachings, uh, parashah 31, 32, and 33. Uh, We will skip a couple, and then I think we'll come back in 
at Parashah 37 or 38, something like that. And then uh, we'll be releasing more and more Parashahs throughout the next couple of years. So uh, if you would like to, uh, if you would like to watch those as they come out, I would encourage you to go to the Torah Resource YouTube page and subscribe to that page. You will be able to be notified uh, when they do that. Uh, Brandon asks, Textus Receptus versus Sinaiticus and Vaticanus. We have done shows on this back, I believe, in the third or fourth season. We had an entire stretch of maybe, I don't know, three or four episodes where we talked about Sinaiticus and Vanicatus. I can't even talk today. And uh, the differences between those texts, uh, you can also go to Torah Resource in the library if you're a library member. You can uh, hear my interview with Dr. Uh, uh, Daniel Wallace. Boom, boom, boom. And he talks about, I ask him specifically about the Texas Receptus. He talks for quite some time during that interview about it and uh, the work that he does in the Net Bible. So uh, go take a listen. Okay, finally, last but not least, please subscribe to this YouTube channel. Uh, it does help us. Okay, now we have wasted a lot of time trying to get uh, our stuff no worked waste. out here. No, no waste. waste. No waste. No waste. Okay. It's all good. Let me get, let me get back to my uh, show notes here. And we're going to we're gonna <clears throat> piggyback something here that was from two weeks ago. Now, was it two weeks ago that you were gone, Rob? You haven't been with us for a while, I don't think. No, no, no. It was three weeks ago. So this comes on the heel, heels of something three weeks ago. Okay. It is this. This, uh, I don't even have the person's name here. I apologize. It's in my inbox. In 2014, the Lord put a burden on my heart for the unity of the body of Messiah. By the way, this is in response to my show that I did by myself without Rob uh, on uh, whether or not uh, the, the current church comes from anti-Semitism. And my answer was yes, but that needs to be explained. It's kind of like the, it's kind of like the fact checkers on Facebook. Yes, but needs context right? Anyway, having grown up in many different denominations and fellowships due in part to being a military brat, I never understood why we kept the divisions going. After the Lord put this burden on my heart, I began to study. I kind of want to stop here and talk about this so far. Um, are the divisions in the body currently necessary or not? I think they're necessary in uh, certain aspects, but not in others. So for instance, I'm quite frustrated often with the uh, people, with the sacred name people, okay? Um, and you're going to see a division in the body when it comes to the sacred name. And what I mean by that is if you are saying Yahuwah and you're calling Yeshua Yahusha, okay, uh, this makes it very difficult uh, for people who don't believe that, first of all, that's the name of God. Second of all, that we shouldn't really be pronouncing it. But third of all, that uh, if it is wrong, then we're mispronouncing God's name, all those kind of things. So there is a division there. And this comes down not necessarily to theology. Well, not necessarily to, it's not a salvation issue. At least most people don't make it a salvation issue. Although there are sacred namers who say that you're not saved unless you say the name of God the way that they say it. But it really comes down to a worship issue, right? If I'm not going to say the sacred name of God, and I think that you're saying it wrong, and yet you constantly in your worship service are saying Yahusha and Yahuwah, uh, I mean, it, that's going to separate people. And it might be okay for people to be separated in that. Now, should we be separated, separated in terms of the larger 
ecclesia or church of God. That's where I'd say no. I mean, this is ultimately when we come down to the old adage that persecution uh, breaks down the barriers of, of division. What that means is that if I have a sacred namer show up on my door because they're being chased by, you know, a government that wants to persecute Christians or something like that, what do we do? Well, we hide them or we help them. We don't, we don't give them over to the people that are chasing them, right? Um, so that's how I see that. I, I think that there are divisions and there will be divisions and there were divisions in Yeshua's day, right? Yeshua didn't unite. Here's the thing. And I'll, I'll shoot this over to you in just a second here. The best person to unite all of believers is who? Christ, of course. When Christ came, he did not unite all of the factions. There were still people who held to, uh, they were sex. There's no resurrection, for example, with the Sadducees. Right. Yeah, exactly. And he didn't he didn't uh, unite all these all these groups uh, to the same belief. Paul still said he was a, a Pharisee, so he still had differences from other people. But what they did, what, how they were united, was in their belief in the risen Lord. So that's how we should be united, Rob. Yeah, I I back to the point of if if there's people that are out there saying Yahua and Yahusha and or, yeah, you know, there's those are flags of deeper problems, right? Because they're rejecting they're rejecting the counsel of Scripture as they teach this thing, you know, and so, yeah, you know, let them let them be. That's my thought. You know, look, you can pray for them, but I don't know that the argument is going to accomplish anything, and. You know, I don't know. I, that, that's a difficult one. Like what happens, you know, I mean, we can hypothesize what happens when, like you were saying, in a, in a situation where there's serious oppression and totalitarian, you know, um, what do you call it? Smackdown. Yeah, well, right. but the people who th- believe, you know, think it's Yahusha, they are, they're obviously not reading the apostolic writings. They're not interested in, in Greek language. Um, they're not interested in the Masoretic vocal tradition. So that means they've, they've tried to create a space for themselves to stand that is ultimately on sand. It's not on rock. And so those people are going to cave before it gets... You know, they're either going to run to the people who have the truth and and confess the, their foolishness, or they're going to, you know, die with the fools. That's that's what it seems to me. I I don't know if that sounds harsh or not, but well, even if it is harsh, I mean, the the point is is that I think that we need to be everyone's on tough, different levels. Tough times, tough. God uses tough times to separate wheat from chaff. Yeah, I agree with you, but I guess my point is is that, you know, uh, some people are in different different levels, and some people are striving after certain things. Uh, a fascination and a theological sticking on the sacred name of of God. But, uh, but if you that- if you ha- if you have the Holy Spirit, if you have the Holy Spirit, then there is a check in your soul that tell that lets you know when 
you are pretending to know something that you in fact do not know. And you're, you've got a spanking coming from the Holy Spirit. And uh, on the other hand, if you're out there pretending to be something you're not, pretending to know something you don't know, and you don't have the Holy Spirit, let it be anyway, you know? <laughs> right. It, 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 that's, that's, that's the way I'm looking at it. You know, the people who, who have the Ruach are going to get corrected because God promises he corrects his children. And I, I speak as one who's had many a spanking. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not talking from the sidelines here. Okay. Hang on. Let's, let's get back to the original message though. I I hear what you're saying and I, 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 I'm with you. Okay. Go ahead. Okay. So when I came this continuing with the email. So when I came to the realization that the first major division was between Jewish and Gentile believers. Um, I don't, I, I don't agree with that. Do the math for me there. He, oh, is he saying, is he putting this on the table as an object of a point of discussion or is he, or he or she putting it this as. Is, this is uh, the John 17 project, by the way, they're in the chat room uh, and it is a he. And uh, so he's saying. Or a Z or a Z. <laughs> no. Oh, so after the Lord put this burden on my heart, I began to study first what scripture has to say and second, the divisions in history. When I came to the realization that the first major division was between Jewish and Gentile believers. I don't agree with that. Uh, no, that's not fir- that's not accurate. The first division is Jews divided Jewish, from Jews. Jews, exactly. And this is why and and we find this throughout Paul's letters. Uh, Gentiles was a later issue. Yeah, pr- particularly in Galatians Acts 15 um the the and w- who's being divided? Jew against Jew because some Jews are saying the Gentiles are allowed into the covenant and other Jews are saying no they have to convert. Well, so, not only so that, that, but you just have, like you were saying earlier, you have Pharisees and Sadducees. You have Essenes. You have sure whether you, or not Christ was the Messiah. That's a Jew against Jew. Yeah, and you have Samaritan uh, and Jew, like right. John four, right? So Samaritans, they have a Torah. They keep circumcision. They keep the feasts, but they reject the Davidic dynasty. Of course, there's all sorts of problems with that. But at the very least, they identify as Israelites. You know, yeah, and, the, and, and 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 Paul is a Jew, and so when he goes right, when he when he gets taken in before the the uh, Jerusalem Council in the the Jewish Council in in uh, in the temple in what twenty two Acts twenty two, this is Jew against Jew. This is not Jew against Gentile. Now, granted, Paul is defending, but what happens at that council? Paul uses Paul uses his knowledge of the different sects to pit them pit pit, pit them against each other, right? Sagi- the early, there you go. That's a good example. The earlier, right? The, the issues of how humans are treating other humans, right? Is it goes way back? But one of the things that the uh, and and he says, okay, that is a fair point. I guess I'm being very general, and I meant that the first division in the body of Messiah. That is the context. Once again, I would disagree with this. So, so, okay, I, I appreciate the, the message, the John 17 project, but one of the things that, that I noticed in this message is there's a lot of uh, attempted uh, point, points of reference in history with no definition of what, what is being said. You will need to actually point to specific divisions, and one of the reasons why is because every division within the body is specific, 
So the first major division in the body comes because Jews are telling other Jews that Gentiles are covenant members without converting. That's the first major division within the, the body of Christ that we see within the scriptures. That is a Jew-on-Jew Jew debate. It's not a Jew-Gentile debate. So when we talk, and, and that branches out. So if you're going to, if we're going to talk about second, third, fourth century, when these, when these things start to blossom out, okay, that's fair. But now we need to get into each individual. So what, one of the things that we talk about with, with church history is, is the, is the various councils. And, and what I've said multiple times is that the councils actually are regional. It's not like now the major councils, yeah, you got people from different regions coming and they're taking, they're, they're pooling, right? But a lot of that, a lot of the uh, debates, even once the councils were over, the leaders of the, of each faction essentially would go back and then they would have to try to implement things. But each region was different. And this is the case with all of the different debates within the church. You don't just have, so for instance, the, the uh, council of, is it Carthage, where they, they basically say that the, that the Sabbath is done away with and Jews and Gentiles shouldn't celebrate the feast. Okay, well, what's happening there? It might not be Carthage. I forget. Anyway, my, my council is getting confused. Anyway, you probably know what I'm talking about. This was a very general localized council. That didn't become standard church doctrine until like 200 years later. Why? Because it took a long time for that to spread and for it to be accepted. People just didn't accept it. Um, so ultimately, I and this is what I was trying to convey a little bit in when I did the show by myself when, when Rob was out, is that it's a lot more of a, like it's a lot more of a, uh, confusing problem it's not just like you can't just look at and say oh well there's, there's lots of moving parts there's tons of moving and there's parts. and there's way more that we don't know there's so right. much that's even not even on our radar um and and also we can't it, it another aspect is it's so easy to have our blinders on and and bring baggage from our 21st century digital post-print culture infrastructure of learning and language and putting that connecting ideas and take that back to a time where we didn't have that interconnectivity. Like you're saying, you, pardon me, different communities never knew each other existed. Right. You know, I mean, and then, and we have believers also that I'm sure, you know, that we don't have any written record of communities that lived and thrived and served Yeshua in this world. And just in God's will, they disappeared from the records of written history. And we just don't know their names. We don't know where they lived, what they did, but somehow they, by God's grace, contributed to the building of the Ecclesia, which we benefit from today. So we benefit from what they did. Let's let's throw let's throw the John 17 project a, a little bit of a bone here because I I mean I would agree that there is certainly anti-semitic uh, portions of history from the Christian church. Now this goes both ways by the way and we'll talk about that in a second. 
So for instance, if we're going to talk about like the Crusades, okay, uh, there was a concerted effort to uh, not just against the Jews, but the Jews were part of it, right? Um, there was there was a significant, this is like the black stain of, of, the, of the Christian church. And it was there's once again, there's so many moving parts to this. So, I mean, we could we could point at certain things in history and say there was certainly anti-Semitism attached here. And certainly uh, we would agree. Right. Uh, but it's not just anti-Semitism. When you have people in the Crusades going out and raping and pillaging people, uh, that is clearly not biblical it, and, and anti-Semitism might be a part of that, but the point is, is that there's way more going on than just anti-Semitism. There's anti-Bible, there's anti-God, there's anti-commandments all around, right? So, I mean, w- once again, we kind of have to look at each individual thing within history to, to talk about this. Now, was there anti-Semitism between certain people in the, in the Christian church? Absolutely. But we can't just make blanket, blanket statements like, Oh, you know, the, the Christian church moved away from the Sabbath because of anti-Semitism. So um, that that is, you know, and I, I want to give, so John 17 Project responds, I was never trying to argue, Jesus, uh, just discuss the issue of how the anti-Semitism in church history still deeply affects the body today. I desire biblical and holy unity. Okay, I, I hear what you're saying. And I'm, I'm not trying to argue here. What I'm trying to say is that it, we can't just say, oh, there's all this anti-Semitism and that's what we're fighting today. That, that's my point. I'm not trying to argue with you. What I'm trying to say is we have to be a lot more precise and a lot more specific in the things that we are talking about when we talk about anti-Semitism. What, and and this, is, this is what I'm probably doing a really poor job of trying to explain this. And so this is on me, not on the John 17 Project. What I'm trying to say here is that is there anti-Semitism in church history? Yes, absolutely. But we can't, ju- we can't just say anti-Semitism. It's kind of like the people who everything that goes wrong in their life, they say, oh, Satan's attacking me. Well, okay, is Satan attacking you or did you just trip on a rock? You know, is Satan attacking you or did you sin because, you know, you're of your flesh? You know, not I, I have often said Satan isn't hiding behind every tree. Now, is Satan at work in this world? Yes. But is that the reason for all your woes? No. And so it, it, I see kind of the same thing here. Is there anti-Semitism in church history? Absolutely. But we can't just see, and I'm not saying that the John 17 Project is doing this. All I'm saying is we can't just blame everything on on, on anti-Semitism. There is theological backgrounds to a lot of the things that people have pointed at and said, aha, anti-Semitism. Certainly by the time the 4th or 5th century where the council happens, where they say, we don't want people to Judaize, um, so don't celebrate the, fe- the, the festivals of the Sabbath. Is there anti-Semitism in this? Yeah, Probably. But there is a lot leading up to that. People were already trying to push against the Sabbath for specific reasons. And it wasn't just because they hated Jews. That's my point. So there, once again, a lot of working parts. And I'll go back real quick and then I'll throw this over to you. I know I've been talking for a long time, Rob. Uh, you know, when we talk about things like the Crusades, you know, the, the Jews have done the same thing. The Jews went out and they forced circumcised people. Now, we don't look at people and say, aha, you know, the Aryan Brotherhood or, you know, white supremacy, that's what they, you know, or Jewish supremacy, that's what they were trying to do, right? So, I mean, 
It goes one way, but it doesn't go the other. When the Jews go and they force circumcise people, once again, this goes back to theological and national beliefs. It doesn't go back to, I hate a race of people. And that's kind of what I'm trying to say here is I'm not sure uh, that, that everything can be said to have uh, anti-Semitism. Now, with that said, now with that said, let's pull back here and let's actually address what the John 17 Project is saying. Is there anti-Semitism in the church? Yes, there has been anti-Semitism in the church, and there are certainly factions that are still anti-Semitic. But when we look at the church today, even their belief, the, the majority belief that, that the church has replaced Israel, does that come from conditioning, which may come from anti-Semitism, or does it come from a genuine place of anti, anti-Semitism? In other words, my grandfather was Jewish. He was not an anti-Semite. He spoke Yiddish fluently, and yet... He believed that the church replaced Israel. So did that come from a place of anti-Semitism? No. But does the history come from a place of anti-Semitism? I think it might. I think that could be the case in certain situations. Uh, and so how do we how do we address that? Well, I don't know if addressing, and Rob, correct me if I'm wrong here. Do you think that addressing anti-Semitism is really going to help in our modern time? When we talk about uh, When we talk about the church replacing Israel or when we talk about the Torah being done away with, to me, if I would have said to my grandmother, hey, you know, what you're talking about is anti-Semitic, she would have laughed at me. She would have said, I don't hate Jews. What are you talking about? So to me, it has to come more into a theological realm of what the Bible says than it does have to uh, address anti-Semitism, unless you're talking about people who genuinely hate Jews. Rob? Wow, there's a lot there. <clears throat> One, I, I think you're right. We need, if we're talking about anti-Semitism, but to differentiate historical theological umbrage with racial, like, ex, you know, like Hitler, right? Uh, yeah, clearly anti-Semitic, right? <laughs> right, if you, if you look at, like, you know, there's people who will conflate Luther's views with Hitler's views and say, see, they're all, they're the same. And, and that's not actually honest. Um, for, for Hitler, it is, it, there was a, the air is a function of Arianism, right? It's superior race versus right. subhuman and the demonization, you know, use of, of rats and vermin and, you know, things Martin like Martin Luther. Um, <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, anyway, whereas Luther's, Luther, there's a lot of problems with Luther, of course, but his his earliest literature, he has a message for the Jews, and he's excited about it, and he's driven. And there's over over his years, there's a he has a profound disappointment, and a kind of almost like a bitterness that seems to kick in, and there might be some. Um, you know, mental health or other issues that are, right. that are going on in his older years. So it's um, plus you, you have to also be sure to plot Luther's uh, vitriol against Jews with larger things that were going on in Germany against Jews. So not to, this does not a justification of it, but you have to have that normalization. You have to judge a person in their context, not, you can't cut somebody's little profile out of history and then bring them into the 21st century and hold them up 
to the light of civilization today. It just that that just doesn't work that way. Um, so there's a lot of complications with that with bringing that term in. But um, and I think your point about your grandparents is is spot on. You, that's not the if you if you're in interested in a genuine, rich conversation based on the word of God and what it means for believers, then you don't want to start with the charge of anti-Semitism because that's going to put a person defensive, right? Wait a minute. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. Because this, that's just not, that's not appropriate. Um, What's appropriate is going back to the Bible and establishing the understanding of what covenant is God's character. Um, what is it? What is the, what is the plan of, of redemption? What does it mean to be a new creation in the risen Messiah? What, how does this relate with historical offspring of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob versus the rest of the world, right? All those are things. And I, and, and my belief is that when that's done soundly, from the ground up and someone has kind of that systematic kind of walk through that, that that would be, it's going to occur to believers anyway. They're going to like, Oh yeah, that's, you know, anti-Semitism. Yeah. I'm not, uh, uh, so I, I, I think I agree with your, I think you said it's like a sim, uh, it's symptomatic. If someone is be thinks in an anti-Semitic way and they are a genuine believer they just haven't done all the math and they're probably, well, ig- they're probably ignorant. I, I, I think it's look, just it, ignorant. Let, let's be completely honest here. There are churches and people who are anti-Semitic or hate Israel. And uh, I think that that's probably underlying issues, but uh, that they don't get a pass on that. Now let's go think, to, the, I, do you think, but do you think they're, do you think they're genuine believers? Like I that's, don't know how, that, uh, it, it depends. It depends in terms of how they're classifying Israel, because I think that uh, I think that humans in in general tend to uh, steer towards the flesh, which is sinful. So I think that there that believers do uh, do rest in some sin sometimes. So it's certainly sinful to look at the people of God and say. Uh, you know, these, I hate these people. I think hatred in general is a, is not a fruit of the spirit is a fruit of wickedness. Right. Um, so with that said though, uh, sometimes I think we ha- do have to listen to what the people are, are meaning, because if you, if you ask people within the church, do you hate Jewish people who are in the church? Now we're getting into some real dicey territory here because I generally would have to say that people who hate Israel, their their theology, it, it's there is an underlying problem. You're allowing hate to fester in your life, first of all, and second of all, hating any group of people just because they are a group of people. Yeah, that, uh, that's a race not a fruit of the spirit. Yeah, you know, it's exactly. not a fruit. Of, it's not a fruit of the spirit. So, so if I, someone's defending something that's not a fruit of the spirit. The defense of something that's not a fruit of the spirit is also not fruit of the spirit. So I'm with that's you where I'm coming from. Okay, so let's address some of the things in the in the chat room because I think this might actually uh, speak to that point. Uh, we're having streaming issues again, of course, but it's coming back in. Okay, uh, Michael says, Caleb, if that is the case, this is by the way before you brought up Luther. Uh, he says, Caleb, if that is the case, bearing the uh, through perceived racism due to theological differences. What then are yours and your father's thoughts on Martin Luther? Having listened to Ryan Reeves, historian, and other historians, Martin Luther uh, started off zealous 
to see Jews come to faith in Messiah. I would agree with that. Uh, Over time, it seemed his frustration got the better of him towards Jews. I have done some research into um, Luther's life and what historians have said about this. I believe personally that Luther was experiencing mental issues all the way back in his teens and maybe even his entire life. Um, In fact, if you read Martin Luther and the way that he talks to other believers or perceived believers, the way that he flips a certainly I think there was some bipolar issues, uh, if not more major uh, mental issues that were going on uh, with Luther. And I think that this, once again, does not give Luther a pass, but it certainly explains some things about Luther. And as Rob has already stated, uh, and as stated by Michael, uh, his hatred for the Jews didn't start as hatred for uh, Jewish people, but rather he it it turned over time because they wouldn't accept Christ. So I see this as more of a theological hatred. Now, does that uh, give uh, Luther a pass? Absolutely not. Does it make the things that he wrote okay? Absolutely not. Was his things used by the SS to justify the killing of Jews? Yes, it was. So we have this really weird dichotomy where God certainly uses uh, Martin Luther's writings right and the and the theological work that he did to push forward the the reformation and the things that uh, that the world certainly needed in terms of religious theology but at the same time satan uses that and twists it to literally kill god's people it is uh, it's it's uh, it's a very difficult thing to talk about on the heels of that um, let's see here uh, on the heels of that pardon me uh, well, Scott says, I have found many Christians just hate uh, literal, earthly fulfillment of millennial kingdom. I think it was supposed to be is, hate Israel, uh, earthly fulfillment of millennial and kingdom prophecy, which is Israel. I agree with that. And I think that that is a huge problem. I don't think that that, uh, I mean, I think hatred of Israel is is not a biblical concept. And I think it's something that needs to be checked. I think it ultimately is a, a system. It, it's a symptom of something else. And one of the things that I can say is that I have been very, very fortunate, very uh, providentially led by the Almighty um, to go to churches where people have real love for Israel. They might not say that they keep the Sabbath or the festivals, but they genuinely say that they support Israel. They send money to Israel oftentimes. Uh, There's a lot of things going on there. And so I haven't really experienced a lot of the anti-Semitic hatred within the church, although I do know that there is some still around the day. that touches on one other little thing. Sure. Is I have a tr- I have problem with like just blanket uninvestigated Christian Zionism. All right. Like everything state of Israel is good. Right? I I'm just, you know, it I think we have to be just like in America. If you look at America, we, we're not just going to say America is just good, that it's only good, right? That we, yes, the, the good outweighs the bad, I believe. But we can't, it, it's not, it's not real. It's not realistic. And I, I've seen places where it's like, like you can't, there's no room to show any kind of criticism of, of the state of Israel, right? And so that adds another, um, you know, and I, I know people who like, they'll just, they hear of some kind of someone in Israel asking for money and they'll want to support it. Right. <laughs> and it's like, wait a minute. Okay. Can we look at the, can we look at like, what, what is this here? Cause I, I know 
that there are that that is a uh, they've they've tapped into this they've tapped into this uh, Christian guilt right and we see this at the like at the Holocaust Memorial the Holocaust uh, Remembrance Day where every year you know and I, I sit where where the message goes out and Christians feel guilty for crimes they didn't commit. And it puts the Jews in the in, on the other side are like the ones who are in the position of the priest to absolve the sin, right? Every year, it's like a new day of atonement has kind of, in a strange way, has come onto the calendar. And we've got to we we got to have moderation and and understanding, and and don't just blindly support, um, you know, some someone or some group because they're in Israel. That's not sufficient, right? That's not sufficient um, uh, reason. One of them is that that Israel, I, I don't remember what it's called, but they it's Israel, they're trying, is it the Israel Bible Project, I think, where I've seen it and it's like, and there are certain Israel news websites, but they're, they're, they try to teach Christians that they're, the angle is we are Jews, we speak Hebrew, we are teaching Christians how to understand the Tanakh. And and this on the surface, it's like a Christian in America goes, Oh, you know, I don't know Hebrew, and they know Hebrew and they're Israel, so I'll learn from them. And so it's this innocent kind of door to go through. But in the undertone, the subtext is they are anti anti-missionary. They're gonna ultimately right. undermine undermine Christian claims. They're under, you're going to undermine claims of the gospel. But on the surface, it looks like, oh, it's dialogue. It's it's Jews and Gentiles. We've seen this with, uh, remember, what, there was someone, like there was an Orthodox Jew who was touring around with a Gentile who thought he was from Ephraim. <laughs> he was like, he was like using, oh, this is the staff of Judah or this, the, the staff of, of Joseph meeting with the, the the staff of Judah. And so you had this this Christian and this Jew and they're they're traveling around together uh, teaching like the message for the world of peace when in fact it's not a message of peace because the the truth claim of the gospel is being completely smothered in order for that presentation to be put out. And it's it's uh, to me that's that's not good. We have so. not even gotten to our main topic, uh, and we're not going to today. That's fine. This has been a good discussion, but there's so much going on in the chat room that we have to address some of this. Okay, Joseph says, uh, "Joseph says I agree, Rob, about Luther, but the, but he gets the pass, while many others today being called a heretic would not. How is it is hatred against a people in God's name not heretical? I think it is heretical. I think that I think that uh, I think that it should be very clear." Should be very clear. I think that uh, Luther's work against the Jews is absolutely not only heretical; it's anti-Bible. So he doesn't get a pass on this. But I think, and honestly, I think that a lot of the way that that Luther uh, acted, we would say this is not a fruit of the Spirit, and not just towards the Jews, towards other believers in general. Um, so, so what I would say is simply, I am looking at the theological uh, mark that he makes in certain areas, 
that clearly were give, were were used by God to further the actual true message of the gospel in the scriptures. Those are the things that I'm looking at and saying, yes, when it comes to Luther as a person, take it or leave it. I'm not, that. that's not my concern. My concern, and this would be the case for anyone. I think that there have been people who have uh, made some really, really great, I'll, I'll give you an example. I'll give you an example of a modern day. I think that uh, Dr. Brant Petrie, who we've had on this show before, has done phenomenal work. And I mean phenomenal work when it comes to the Last Supper. And I think that a lot of what he has written is not only right, but I think that uh, it it will be used in in uh, scholarship to come to uh, to understand the Bible and to further the uh, research on on these texts. Now, do I agree? Does that mean that that uh, I agree with Dr. Petrie on everything? No, he's a Roman Catholic, so I clearly disagree well, with. Well, Dr- take, he takes a he takes a turn with that research to justify the mass, right? Exactly. And, 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 and obviously and, you're not following him. He, he takes this corner and you're like, no, I'm not taking that corner. Yeah, exactly. So so the point here is, is and I'm not saying that, that Dr. Petrie is a horrible person like Luther seems to be in his later years, right? Uh, Dr. Petrie uh, clearly is a very nice man. He's got a wonderful family. Uh, every interaction that I've ever had with him, I've had uh, meals with him before at ETS or at SBL rather. Um, every interaction I've had with him has been a very pleasant one. But, but still, even when we're talking theologically, there I'm only taking what I believe is biblically accurate. I'm leaving the rest behind, and so I think the same needs to be said about Luther. Um, and then uh, Joseph brings up, uh, I recently dealt with Black Hebrew Israelites in my own town. So this goes both ways, and this show this is a great comment. This shows both sides of the coin because. Racism, I believe, goes both ways. Many people in our modern society want to tell us that, you know, black people can't be racist. Well, yeah, they can. Look at the black Hebrew Israelites. I mean, we are talking about downright, outright racism towards Jewish people, towards white people, towards anyone who's not black. And so, you know, and somebody else points out that Israel is a secular government right now. That doesn't mean that we hate the, the, the people of Israel, but we need to remember that Israel as a nation right now is not walking with the Lord. And so they're in the same category right now as the Israel that was exiled from the land and put into Babylon. That sounds really harsh, and that doesn't come from a place of anti-Semitism. That comes from a looking at the Bible and what God says about idolatry and rejecting his laws. So... Anything else to say about that, Rob? Back to the, just the theme of split. And I, I'm sorry, I, I didn't, I'm not sure how much I tracked with the theme today or what we're Neither did about. I. I don't know if we had one in this show. <laughs> but back to the idea, I, I'm reminded back to one of the original points was about sadness concerning the split and the desire for splits and the desire for unity. And that's a, I think that's a, it's, it's good that that is, a point of discussion. It's good that that's a focus because they're they're both true. They are two truths that that are in a tension that we have to live with. We have to live with a desire for unity, and we have to live with splits. And sometimes the splits are can be off a of misunderstanding. 
Sometimes a split is an outright betrayal. And there are times back to our first Corinthians 11 passage, you know, he says, you know, there are, sometimes there's divisions. Paul says, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here so that God can show who's, who is, uh, who's been accepted and who hasn't. In other words, the, the wheat and the chaff are going to be separated, right? And they don't hang out together forever. The, the wheat and the tares is another example. They don't hang out together, right? They're good they, for an for a extended amount of period of time. There's a time where they're together, and there's a time where, where the weeds get pulled and, and thrown out. There's a time where a branch is on a tree, and then there's a time where that branch is no longer on the tree. And so uh, even though we, our heart longs for unity, our heart should not long for the unity we imagine it should be. The, our heart should long for the unity that the Ruach brings and fulfills and works out. And that we have to accept the fact that we can't see the church fully. We don't, we have to accept that we don't know everything, but God knows. And, and so there is that difficulty, you know, that desire to, that everybody we know, you know, everybody we know, we want them all saved. We desire that, that not only that the people, that Christians who disagree would come to agreement, but the people who deny the Messiah would come, you know, right. That that's our, and that's a good, that's a good, uh, merciful, compassionate, uh, fruit of the spirit that we should definitely lead with. That should be a front hope, but, um, but we have to, but there's also wisdom. There's also justice and truth. And those are equally important. And um, waiting for God to to show up in different situations and and just prove us. We need we need to be refined. We each need to be um, get that character development that Paul's talking about, like in Romans five, so that we have proven character, so that we we're dependable. And uh, I think we can probably all relate with times where we've had people, close friends, maybe even that we that now we don't have the same relationship, you know, that we had before um, because of something that happened, you know? And the question is who, who is, who's seeking the kingdom first and putting kingdom priorities as the governing hermeneutic for their whole life. Not everybody jumps to that. It's, you know, the path of the cross is not an easy, if it was easy, it would be the, the wide way, <laughs> but, but it's not. It's the narrow path. That's all. You know, I, so I, after reflecting on uh, Matthew 5, I don't know, 19 or something, whoever keeps and teaches these will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever uh, uh, annuls and so teaches others shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. And then also on the on the Last Supper and uh, the fact that <clears throat> Christ, being the greatest, obviously, what does he do? He washes the feet of the disciples. And uh, also the, the scripture that states, uh, uh, consider, don't, uh, consider yourself less than others or consider yourself uh, not greater than others. Or uh, I, I'm paraphrasing, but 
Um, all of that together, I, I started to think to myself, boy, you know, I don't want to be haughty and I don't want to be, you know, I want to think of other believers as, as more important than my, that's what it is. Think of others as more important than yourself. And thinking of all of that wrapped together, I've thought, boy, what am I going to do in the kingdom? One of the things that I've constantly thought is, I, I said to the Lord at one point, Lord, I'm happy to do whatever you want me to do on this earth or in the next, even if it means cleaning toilets. So I've often thought, you know, in the kingdom, the Lord will probably have me clean everyone's toilet. That'll probably be my, my, my job. And so when I come across someone who, uh, who is berating me for you know, one thing or the other, or when someone is saying, I'm, you know, oh, I'm not saying the name right because I'm not saying Yahuwah or whatever it may be, I constantly have to remind myself, you know, in the kingdom, I'm going to be cleaning this person's toilet and I got to be okay with that. And so I think this plays in a little bit to the, the notion of we need to think of others as more important than ourselves. And that includes trying to help people, not berating them for their beliefs, but trying to help people understand things more accurately. And I think that this really goes to the John 17 Project's statements when it comes to addressing anti-Semitism in the church. To me, it is a burden that uh, people have a skewed view of Israel and of covenant membership, right? Uh, that that we as Gentiles have become covenant members and that we need to not despise the branches, but that we need to attempt to bring the branches in and, and show the people who are not, you know, who are grafted in that the natural branch, God still loves the natural branch. Here, so, here's Caleb also, here's one other thought on that is that we have to be careful for groups calling themselves Messianic Jewish believers who are saying, okay, you, you Gentiles, you need to learn from us, but we right. have, you have, you have no, no voice to speak to, to us. Right. Um, and that's, we've seen that a problem. Now I know plenty of Messianic Jewish people that do not have that heart. And those are the ones you want to you know listen to, but the ones who are like that, that Gentiles have nothing to teach uh, a Jewish believer uh, because somehow, because they're Jewish, they have automatic insight and understanding and wisdom. <laughs> right. You know, and then there's the thing of that we're different. So, so there's, there's one major group that's like, okay, so you, you Gentiles, it doesn't matter. You go to whatever church feels right. If that's Anglican, if that's Catholic, right. if that's Lutheran, if that's Pentecostal, you know, you just, you just be the best you are. But take our material with you and, and let us come and teach your group about Israel because we represent Israel. And sometimes those very people are themselves not even really Jewish because they they converted like they're Gentiles too, who've like right. learned to do a, a Jewish juggle and spin a Jewish plates. dance, a yeah, Jewish and, dance. and spin, spin plates and do this kind of stuff. Right. And then re go then and then represent themselves back to Christians as if they somehow represent authentic Judaism. It's, it's, it's like, Oh my goodness, this is crazy. Okay. Uh, we have spoken long enough, I believe. And uh, I think it is time for us to go. We didn't even uh, talk about the things we were going to, but I think this is an important conversation. Uh, thank you to the John 17 project. Uh, I, uh, and he said, I, you know, I, it's hard for me because I don't want to just write a huge long email. Give me a call. Call me Thursday, Friday, next week sometime. We can talk it through. 
And, uh, and I would like to understand exactly what it is you're, you're trying to get to if we haven't addressed it, because I think that, uh, I think that there's something that you are trying to say. And if we haven't represented it correctly, then I would like to hear what it is that you are trying to say. Okay. Um, besides that though, if, uh, you, no matter who you are, have something that you would like us to talk about. If you would like to tell us how much you hate us, love us, whatever, you can give us a call. 253-465-3205. It's a message machine. You just leave a message. You can also shoot us an email, cheg at torresource.com, C-H-E-G-G at torresource.com. Okay, well, hopefully we'll have all of our uh, all of our issues worked out next week, and we will talk. Issues. We've got yeah. issues. We'll talk about Love is Bigger's. Uh, she left us a phone message. We will try to play that next week, and we will talk about our relationship to the Holy Spirit. A whole lot of other stuff we want to talk about as well. We hope that this conversation has done at least one thing. That is to glorify our great God and Savior, Yeshua the Messiah. Why? You know why. Because Messiah matters. Yeah.